Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Okay, everybody. Good to hear such chatter in the room. But we're going to just pray for Laurie. So if you want to reach out your arm, let's just pray for her. She brings God's word. Lord God, we just thank you for this this woman. Lord, we just thank you for bringing her here to Kings. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, being a part of our staff team. Lord, we just praise you for that. And Lord, we just pray for her as she brings your word this morning. We thank you for wisdom. And Lord, we just pray a blessing on her. Amen. Good morning, everyone, and good morning online as well. Um, Great to see you. Um, I'm sure this week you must have been moved, if you've been watching the news, to see 85-year-old Jokoved Lefschitz, who was let go as one of the hostages. She was released from um, captivity. She was released from being in those tunnels um, in Gaza. And as she was released, I'm sure you saw, she turned back and she took the hand of her balaclava-clad captor and she wished him shalom. And I know he had that balaclava on, but I actually, he took her hand as well. Walls came crumbling down at that point. And some people might have thought it was a foolish gesture, but it certainly was a gesture to bring down walls. And we're going to look at bringing down walls today because we're going to look at the um, story of the so-called Battle of Jericho, bearing in mind it wasn't actually a battle. Um, And you will find that in Joshua 5 from verse 13, and then we're going to look at chapter 6 as well. Now, um, my husband and I, my husband John and I, we have the privilege of doing Alpha, and one of the most frequent questions on Alpha is about the Old Testament, and people say, do I need to read the Old Testament? Is that important as a Christian? And what we do say is that often what happens in the physical in the Old Testament is a picture of what happens in the spiritual in the New Testament. For example, the Exodus story, you know, being released from um, slavery, going through the Red Sea, a brilliant picture of becoming a Christian. And the story we're going to do today is also another story that will speak into your life. Now, although it happened over three and a half thousand years ago, the Holy Spirit will use it today to speak into your life because there will be elements of this story that will speak into your life and into the issues that you could be facing today or another time. It will just speak to you. It says in Romans 15 verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us Sorry, I'm just going to stop. Could I have the clock countdown, please? Is that okay? Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, was written, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. 
So this story that is a significant historical event for the nation of Israel, it continues actually to speak faith into our lives today. So we're going to start on Joshua 5 verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March round the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march round the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout and then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now, just to put a bit of context on where we are, the people of Israel had just crossed over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. And we've been looking at that these last few weeks and it's known as the land of milk and honey. And it had been promised to Abraham over 500 years earlier. But the Israelites, you'll know the story, they've just spent 40 difficult years wandering in the Sinai Desert. They're now on the banks of the Jordan and they've got the promised land right before them. And we've reached a transition point at the moment in this story. Because the Israelites, Paul did this last week, the Israelites have looked back to their roots. And now they're preparing to go forward. And Joshua's challenge is to lead them to possess the promised land of Canaan. Now we're at a bit of a transition point here. We've been here for 10 years now. We've just moved to the two services. We're um, making room for more people. We're expecting more people. We're seeing lives changed. And, you know, not just here. Friends of ours are in a church just down the road, and they're seeing great growth. It's amazing. I think God is really on the move at the moment, and we're at a transition point. Now, As I said, Joshua's challenge is to lead them to possess this promised land of Canaan. But before that can happen, Israel's first obstacle for them pressing into this land that God has promised them is right in front of them. It's the city of Jericho. It's an unconquerable, it's a walled city. Now, there's loads of archaeological excavations there which reveal its fortifications and it it shows that it featured a virtually impregnable stone wall. Traditionally, 
ancient warfare, what would have happened with these fortified cities? Um, the, uh, an army would have come against it and they might have um, deployed a siege against it where they surround it and they would actually starve the people out. Um, or invaders might try and weaken the stone walls by tunnelling or by fire, or they might heap up a ramp and try and, try and assault the city in that way. But all of those methods um, take weeks, if not months, and also there will be great loss of the army um, in that. Now, Israel needs a plan. So we see Joshua, and he's standing before this first obstacle, He's standing before this same strongly fortified town, which 40 years earlier had so terrified and demoralized the previous Israelite generation, which had ended up with them, you know, wandering in the desert for 40 years because they hadn't believed God. Now, Joshua, had he, been, he had been there then too. He had been there 40 years before. He'd been there with Caleb and he'd been there with 10 other spies. Joshua and Caleb were the two men of faith. And the other 10 drowned out their words of faith with lots of negative, you know, they were terrified of the fortifications of the cities. They were terrified of the size of the people there. They said they're like giants. They said their hearts melted in fear. But jo so Joshua's here again. Now, this time, he's no longer a young man. Uh, he's, but... He's got that face still burning in his heart. And he's contemplating, it says he's before, he's looking at Jericho. He's contemplating that fortified city looming right before him. That city with that impenetrable wall. It's heavily defended. And I expect he's wondering what military strategy to use. Is he fretting about what's ahead? Is he feeling the weight of the responsibility of leading these people in this, in this job? Does he have loads of different ideas going round and round his head? Perhaps he was praying. Let's just go back to verse 13 because it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. Now how many times do we face our own Jerichos? Those places seemingly impenetrable. Those issues that stand in the way of our Christian progress, of our walk with the Lord. That problem that raises itself, us, uh, itself between us and us pressing into everything that we know that God has got for us. Worries, fears, addictions. Perhaps... You have right now got a Jericho in your life. Somebody in this room will have. There's a good number of people here. Joshua looks up, and that's what we need to do when we face these issues in our lives. We need to look up to the Lord. And as Joshua looks up, he sees something very strange, yet at the same time, very appropriate, because what he sees in front of him is a warrior. And the warrior has a drawn sword in his hand and he's ready for battle. Joshua doesn't recognize him as somebody from his army, but he doesn't recognize him as an enemy either. It says, you, you can read that from, um, from the slide. Now, Joshua boldly approaches this man because he wants to know why he's there. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? But he's not for Joshua. 
He's not for Joshua's foe. He's come as commander of the Lord's army. He's come with his own agenda. He's come with his own army. And I'm sure at that moment, standing contemplating Jericho, as he realizes whom he's before, as he falls face down in reverence, Joshua must be so relieved to realize that the ultimate responsibility does not lie with him. It doesn't lie with the army formed from the 12 tribes of Israel because the armies of heaven and their commander are there. So as Joshua falls face down, he asks, what message does my Lord have for his servant? How many times for us is guidance the first thing we ask for in prayer? But the response that Joshua gets is not the specific guidance he's looking for. It's rather instructions to take off his shoes. It's an indication that he is standing on holy ground. He's standing before a holy God. And as he does so, Joshua submits himself to the agenda and way of the commander of the Lord's army. And there is the eternal instruction to be people of faith in in difficult situations. When there are obstacles before us, our response is we look up, we recognize the holiness of God, the sovereignty of God in our lives, When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, when they came to him and they asked him, how do we pray? When he taught his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer, those are exactly the instructions he gave. The first thing we do is we recognize God and we say, hallowed be your name, before we move on to anything else. And when faced with any obstacle, even more than knowing God's plan, Faith is to recognize God's position as commander of the Lord's army. Whenever we are faced with something that's holding us back from moving on with Jesus, we figuratively take off our shoes. We bow down before the living God and surrender to him. Surrender our way to his way. Knowing that like Joshua, God has promised to be with us. He promised Joshua that he would be with him. We saw that in Joshua 1. You know, the Lord says, be bold, be courageous. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus said just before he went up to heaven, he said to his disciples, lo, I am with you always to the end of time. He is with us. Now we're going to move on to the next chapter. And although it's a complete chapter change, there isn't actually a break in the text. It just carries on. And these next few verses are the verses that absolutely shout faith for us. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. It's all shut up. No one went out and no one came in. You see, in spite of the encounter that Joshua's just had, the problem he has is still in full view. But now he has the promise. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. And if we look, Hebrews 11 says exactly that. It defines faith by saying, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Same thing. So Joshua, 
is told that in spite of seeing Jericho tightly shut up, impenetrable, defended, that victory is his. But he still has to face a possible battle. He still needs a strategy, but now he has the promise. And he's told in spite of what he sees that victory is his. God's way is that the Israelites will have to trust him, obey him, and go with him. God's way is always the same. The Israelites who are called to be a blessing to the world. The ones to show the world what God is like. Called to be a light to the nations. They need to model trusting God. They need to show the world what happens when they do that. And Joshua is now given a strategy, and it's a strategy laid out by God himself. It's a strategy that's a seemingly foolish plan, and it requires faith to step out, trust to persevere, and obedience in carrying it out. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And that strategy was exactly what the Israelites did. And the walls, on the seventh day, when they did that seven times, at the blast of the trumpet and the shout of the people, the walls suddenly came down and the Israelites were able to enter that city and they were able to possess it. But we know we're told it wasn't the army that brought the walls down. And it wasn't the sound made even that brought the walls down. It wasn't the shout and it wasn't the trumpet blast. Hebrews 11 that great chapter of faith makes very clear what brought the walls down. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By trusting in God's way, by following God's agenda, by believing that God will deliver, the walls of the first obstacle to taking possession of that promised land came down. Now, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. Um, it's, you can see that it's an example for us to follow as we walk out our Christian life. So we have a story here that teaches us how to face battles. And, it's, and each one of us will face battles. We will face battles through life. And what do we do? We respond with faith. We respond in trust and obedience, knowing that God, the God who was with Joshua is also with us. But this story, it doesn't only point out to how we fight battles. It points to a wider picture. And it's a picture of salvation and redemption. It's a picture of grace. And it shows us the heart of God towards anyone and everyone who turns to him. Because Hebrews 11 doesn't just list the Israelites in general with the walls coming down as heroes of faith. It also, it always also lists somebody else from that story. And Julian spoke about her a few weeks ago, but we're talking about Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. As the walls fell down, 
the Israelites entered the city. And Joshua said to the two men who had previously spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with the oath, your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family, and they put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And so Rahab enters the hall of the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11, again, it says... By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab, prostitute, a woman who protected the spies. Rahab, who alone out of the Canaanites was delivered and saved from destruction. And I've got to say, though, one of my things is I wonder if those Israelites walking round and round on those six days, I don't know whether it was God giving them, the the other Canaanites, the opportunity to turn to him and be saved as well. But anyway, Rahab is saved because of her faith and her trust in the living God. And she's honoured for her faith. She's saved. She's redeemed. And she's restored to all the good that is hers as a believer. And that's a picture of what happens to us when we become Christians. But how do we know that that happened with her? Because the prostitute is honoured as a hero of faith in Hebrews 11. And she's honoured as an example of righteousness in James 2. And more even than that, She's listed in the genealogy of Jesus. She's one of the four mothers of Jesus. She's part of God's story of salvation, of redemption and restoration. And we see that throughout the Bible. We see that throughout the history of the church. So the Jericho story, it's a story of faith in the face of difficulties. It's a story of victory when we walk in trust and obedience and it's a story of redemption. But it's also a story I know that people find difficult. Paul last week gave um, some background as to why God said the Canaanites had to be destroyed. And many scriptures do give an explanation for this, but people do find it hard to reconcile the God of Joshua to our Lord Jesus, who said we were to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And whatever we think about the warfare in Joshua, it must be seen through the lens of being part of God's plans and purposes to restore humanity back to relationship with him. His plans to perfectly restore all the ruins of the fall, as Jonathan Edwards said. That restoration, it takes shape in the promises made to Abraham that included land gifted to a nation. It's a land where Israel was to live as a light and a kingdom of priests among the other nations, blessing the nations and drawing them to the Lord. The Bible shows us God working in different eras and different ways, but those are all part of one eternal plan and one agenda. The Jericho story is just one frame. It's in a long story of the ongoing purposes of God, 
one frame, which in itself contains faith and trust and redemption and restoration. The deliverance of Jericho is one step in the fulfillment of God's plan that will finally conclude in the work of Jesus Christ and the redemption and restoration of humanity back to God. In the Old Testament, and Joshua especially, we see physical battles where forces are against God's ways. In the New Testament, God's plan moves into a different phase and a different context. Battle is engaged with spiritual entities. In the New Testament, warfare moves into, into spiritual contexts in that we see much use made of militaristic imagery. Um, the, the Apostle Paul often describes himself battling as a soldier, and he talks about weapons that wage war not as the world does, but those weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. In the New Testament, God himself comes in the flesh to continue the battle through the work of Jesus Christ as he ushers in his kingdom and battles principalities and powers, winning victory over sin and death on the cross at Calvary. And until that final day when Jesus returns or we go to be with him, we are called to battle knowing though that like Joshua before the battle of Jericho, that victory is ours, that the enemy is defeated. As we push through to see Jesus' kingdom established, walls will fall, captives are set free, the marginalized are loved, enemies are prayed for, and blessings flow. Um, in 1969, I took this from our website. In 1969, the pastor of this church had a prophetic word about the church being a beacon on the hill. And at the time, uh, many of you know, the church was in a, um, down in the old town um, in a beautiful building, quite, but set quite back. And it just didn't have the facilities that the church needed to enable any more growth at all. Now, over the, so over years, so that was 1969 he had that word. And then that word was given as well. But I, I remember being in a meeting with somebody from a church in Windsor coming. And he just said, oh, I really feel God saying you're called to be a beacon on a hill. There were many words given about being a beacon on a hill. And this church looked you know, obviously this is Amateur on the Hill, looked at perhaps establishing a church here. Over time, um, we've, you know, we've met in different places, in different venues. We've met in the, um, we've met next door in the Polio Centre. We've met in the Community Centre. We've met in Dr. Challoner's Grammar School for a number of years. But we didn't actually have the resources that we have here. We pressed in for land, and there was, I mean, I, haven't, I wasn't involved in that bit at all, but I know there were people that spent all their time looking for land, meeting with the planning uh, people, um, coming against problems, but still pressing on, believing that God had called us to be a beacon on the hill. And then this plot came up, and we got this plot, as you know, got the plot for a pound, and then um, we've built that. And hopefully, in a few months' time, all that, the whole loan will be paid off. 
But the resources that we have had from having this building are amazing. And we have been able to be that beacon on the hill. It has been a privilege to see lives changed. Lives changed in the community as well. We didn't have that possibility really when we were in the old town. Saw many lives changed, but... Um, not so much the community touch. Here, we have been able to be that light on the hill. We have touched the lives, I know, of the surrounding people. You know, God has given us favor we, in people's lives. Just this week, my daughter was just chatting with somebody in Chesham, and that person was saying, King's Church Amersham, they provide all these hampers um, for people, and it makes such a difference. That's just one aspect. It's great. Just seeing you know, a team of people going into schools around here, giving dignity and attention to people, you know, as I said, we're a beacon on a hill. What's that beacon to? To show the Israelites were called to show the nations surrounding what God's like. We are called to show people what God is like. He loves people. He poured out his life for people. He wants to turn mourning to dancing. Isn't that amazing? I'm just going to finish there. Um, I am going to invite you, please, to stand because I would really like, you know, there could be things to pray for. There could be issues in your life that are like a Jericho, that as we pray, we see walls come tumbling down. It could be that you really want to be that beacon that Jesus has called all of us to be. He's called us all to shine that light. And it's the Holy Spirit that does this. Let's just pray. Father, Lord, I thank you that you have said that you are always with us. I thank you you've said that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. Holy Spirit, I just... Thank you for your power poured out in, and changing lives. Lord, I just pray for anyone here this morning who needs to see walls coming down. And I thank you that it's your power that brings those walls down. Lord, I just pray as we walk in trusting you, trusting you that you are good, that you do good, that you have good plans and purposes for each one of us. I just pray that people will be free to receive that now in Jesus' name. I just pray for faith to rise in our hearts, Lord, that you would pour out your gift of faith in our hearts, that we can walk it in along with you, seeing your kingdom come, seeing your will done in this place as it is in heaven, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for your love poured out. 
I thank you for your eternal plan to restore us to you, redeeming our lives. Uh, can I just, uh, just remind people if that there is a ministry team here, if anyone would like any prayer, and that might just, it doesn't mean to say you've got issues, it could just be you just really want to move on. You really feel like you've just been called to just really press into the things of God. I'm going to say, like Joshua, like that instruction to Joshua, be bold, be courageous, step out this morning, reach out to him who has got, as I said, good plans, purposes, good purposes for each one of us. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.